Okay, so if, if you were looking at the standard alignment chart, what alignment do you think you are in real life? Well, Ooh. it depends on the day for me. Um, generally, I'm <laughs> law-abiding. You know, I drive speed limits when I'm not in a hurry, and uh, I don't kill people. Hmm. Um, but then other days... Most days. Well, most, most days. days. And then other days, I would say more like a neutral good, where I care less about law and order and laws being upheld, and I just need to get my own way. So it's not it, it fluctuates. Hmm. I think I'm I think I'm chaotic neutral or chaotic good. <laughs> okay. Uh I why? I mean, I don't really find myself a fan of many organized institutions. Uh-huh. And I prefer the more individual nature of life. Anarchist. I, I I'm not saying that I don't think that they're important and I don't think they have value, but I do, and I do respect them, but I don't find myself very fond of them. So maybe, maybe yeah, I'm more I of a true I'm neutral. Yeah, right. I, I think, I think I'm team chaotic good. I, I don't think you're chaotic. Dude. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I like to pick fights. I hate most organized anything. I fly by the seat of my pants. Uh, I thrive in chaos with improvisation Oh, chaotic good, absolutely. I'm just not seeing it. I would agree with Jake. He's <laughs> definitely chaotic good. If not chaotic neutral, some days. Yeah, David, I think we both have a disdain for institutions mm-hmm. that will would um would uh Heil Hitler for, you know. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, so some days I'm chaotic. Good. Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is the Dungeons and Dragons podcast, episode 13, Alignment and Morality. What is alignment, David? Explain it to me. Alignment is the, from what I understand, the system that D&D uses to judge a character and how they would act. So, for instance, on one spectrum, you have the chaotic to lawful. And it's how individual are you versus how how much you obey institutions. And then on the other spectrum, you have evil to good. And it is how selfish are you compared to how much you value others. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, essentially there's the two axes are moral and ethical. So moral is like good versus evil. And then... Ethical is like how you fit in society. So most of the time in D&D, the moral one is more objective, whereas the lawful, neutral, chaotic is more subjective to the actual power structures you're dealing with. Hmm. To me, it's always seemed like toy ethics or toy morality because it is boiling down these really complicated human concepts into something that is effectively just a mechanic in a game. Uh, that, that uh-huh. determines which spells you can use. Oh, I kinda... it's very interesting how Five E has addressed or not addressed alignment <laughs> Completely at removed. all. They have just been like, "Here's alignment," and they spend five seconds explaining it, and then they kind of they kind of uh, insert them into your ideals in uh, the character creation. Mm-hmm. But then they just it's it's a ghost as far as like game mechanics go, which I think yeah, is it, a good decision. Yeah, as it, I think it should be um, 
like the way it is in the game already, I think they could remove it completely. And the only people who would complain are the old school grognards because I think backgrounds do a better job uh, <laughs> sort of telling you who your character is than some really subjective interpretation of these terms. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how uh, alignment and morality has kind of come about in terms of if you look at the progression of society and how that kind of mashes up with the way alignment was uh, determined in morality. So I think originally when the game came out, it was uh, it was the 80s, right? And that was kind of near the end of the Cold War. 70s. 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. And you look at the, the ideals of the time and how people viewed morality, and it was very objective. It was the, the U.S. versus communism. Wow. And Didn't think I, we'd come here tonight. I, I think that really <laughs> reflects in the ideals of this is good and this is bad, and you're either supporting one or the other. You're either for chaos or for law. And I think that's really reflected in the original systems where you had uh, a society had a much more objective view of what was what is moral and what is ethical. Well, I may disagree with the time frame of like when postmodernism came in and kind of uh, muddied the waters as in regards to ethical or like just objective morality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is kind of true, but I think it's it's not true as like the time period. It's like how any sort of morality is kind of instituted anywhere. Mm-hmm. So like the alignment, I bet like when Gygax and like that motley crew of creators that kind of brought D&D um and popularized it like i feel like they were like yeah it's alignment easy boom boom mm-hmm. boom and they could explain it. it was like so easy yeah and then as time passed people were like wait like if i'm in a very chaotic society and i hate it does that make me lawful and it's suddenly <laughs> like all of these weird questions started to be asked um and i think the thing that made everything all vague and hard to distinguish with alignment was once it became popular and became a thing, people started applying alignment to non-D&D things. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And that's when it just turned into a cluster cuss. And it was just, <laughs> it was just, I don't know. Alignment suddenly was trying to be used for something it was not intended to do. I think mm-hmm. if uh, Gygax or any of the earlier guys saw you know, an alignment chart of parks and recreation characters, oh, they'd be like, what the, what? No. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this character that works in an office isn't chaotic evil. <laughs> like that, <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. And so, uh, okay. I think you guys know this, but I have been super, super, super excited to record this episode. This mm-hmm. is perhaps my favorite topic. Like I was almost a philosophy major. I love love alignment in games and i know i i'd reckon you guys you guys don't you guys have said is that true Well, so as a system in this game i think it falls down because i think there's a lot of better ways to determine this like um it, already in the show a few times we've just rolled on tables and we've created characters or situations mm-hmm. and um and you don't need to have some arbitrary kind of fill in the number um three by three grid to tell you about your character um the i've heard it explained like this that alignment is supposed to be descriptive and not prescriptive so yes. the problem is, is a lot of people will, will be like they see on this grid oh i'm a lawful neutral that means i should act this way when in fact it's like i'm acting this way so i probably mostly fit into this part of the grid and uh, i think that misinterpretation mm-hmm. leads to weird pro- situations problem, yeah it is a problem 
Mm-hmm. So do you guys neglect to you? Because, okay, I think I have a fix for that, but I want to ask this to both you guys. Do you guys not use alignment at all well it, i still use it like but it's um as it is in 5e it's a sh- pale shadow of its former self um backgrounds and even though i i guess in the backgrounds episode i kind of complained about that too but i think the backgrounds are a better descriptor of your personality and your belief system i i don't use them at all and i don't ever intend to use them i'm actually working on making my own character creation system and it has an alignment nowhere in it at all and i don't intend to include it because i think that alignment is it's more of a scale or a measuring stick to kind of see where actions fall in but it's not a good system for determining how characters should act if you have a character who is chaotic neutral that doesn't mean that they're always going to act chaotic neutral. They are not the embodiment of chaotic neutral. And I think that there are more nuanced decisions based off of what your character has experienced, the situation, who they're dealing with, that is going to change based off the situation. And I don't think that alignment really works in a relative system because it is okay. trying to quantify and objectify something. So I have one more thing, Jake, and then I'll let you just go nuts because I know you're just like <laughs> bursting to, to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a quote from Mike Merles that uh, it actually wasn't about alignment, but it totally applies here. Somebody asked him, what is his brand, his quote unquote brand? People shouldn't be summed up in one or two words. He says, I think people are more interesting and diverse and defy this kind of um, – I don't know what term he used, but like putting people into boxes. And I think in a lot of ways, like David is getting at, I think um, this is the world is more interesting. And so no matter how many parks and recreation or Game of Thrones, like the grid, the alignment grids you see, any one of those characters can move to almost any other box there, depending on the episode, depending on the the situation. So it's just as a system, it's flawed. But I want to hear what you have to say. Okay, I have so much to say. So bottom line is you just... The last thing you said was, yeah, you know, this this system doesn't really work for Parks and Rec or Game of Thrones. And it's like exactly because it's not for television shows. It's not for any other system outside of Dungeons and Dragons. So for me, in the beginning, alignment was written down and it became like something that we go oh what do i do here oh wait i'm lawful good i have to do this yes, descriptive and prescriptive that, yes that's that's like hor- horrible i agree and the way i fix that is when i'm doing character creation and there's that little spot in the 5e character sheet that says alignment i tell all my players i say leave that blank you may have an idea for what type of alignment your character will be do not write it down do not tell anyone then we play four to five sessions or as i call um, that you know, a whole campaign jeez <laughs> <laughs> that's sad um so we played four to five sessions and then after that so like a month in whatever i go all right now we are going to figure out what everyone's alignment is based on the decisions they've made already in the game okay and so we all sit around and essentially have like an ethical debate about the game and we it, it's really fun because you get to revisit previous sessions and be like oh remember when you did this or oh remember you did that 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 has to make you chaotic you know and we have this big debate and discussion and it's actually completely 
democratic. So if one character who said, I'm trying to play my paladin as a lawful good, and I want to be lawful good, and I think based on my decisions, I'm a lawful good, but everyone else at the table uh, says, what are you talking about? You were, you slaughtered those people when they disagreed with your religion. And he'd be like, well, no, my God, I think would justify it. Be like, no, I'm, you are lawful neutral. Mm. And if everyone votes that he is lawful neutral, he is lawful neutral. That's great. And that's what he has to put on his sheet. And so I also, as a DM, get one vote as well at the table. And so we all vote on what people's alignments are based on that. And sometimes I've had it where it was real quick and it was kind of like, okay, yeah, you're obviously chaotic good. Okay, you're obviously true neutral. <laughs> but other times it it took up a whole session on accident. And it, it, we ended up having a blast just arguing about whether a decision would be labeled chaotic or neutral based on where they were at or what they information they had or what their god had told them or what the warlock patron tricked them into believing. And it was just so fun to figure out what their alignment is from there. So that's one way I think you can fix alignment. I think that's one way that it, it literally makes it uh, descriptive instead of prescriptive. So it's good that you're using it like the correct way, but because we're talking about fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, I ask, what is the point? Like there, there's no, there's no benefit really to even having alignment in this game because there's no game mechanic that hooks into it. Like you will not lose your spells as a paladin depending on alignment or as a cleric or anybody like there's nothing. So in spite of like, it sounds like a really fun night, uh, for your team, um, which is great. Yeah, having fun. Is awesome. So you you just proved if, my point. If you're Thank having you. fun, like you literally you're just right. said, okay, like okay, I see what that was saying. really fun. <laughs> but I mean, it's just this fun little side thing that has no impact on the game at all. No, so I I totally I totally love the point that Will is saying, where it has no actual game impact. I think that in the original system, when you acted out of alignment. And you would lose spells, huge or you wouldn't, or you wouldn't be able to uh, cast certain spells to begin with. That had huge implications, and it kind of ties into the story where, yeah, your god is gonna punish you because instead of using cure wounds to heal people, you're using the twisted version to inflict wounds. When you're supposed to be this this priest cleric type person who is supposed to be helping people, which is what your god represents. And that 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 system isn't really reflected in 5e, whereas the only thing that you could see that is if you break your oath as a paladin, it's an oath, it's not even alignment, then you lose some of those aspects of your uh, character. But that's not reflected in the cleric, that's not really reflected uh, anywhere else. Okay, okay, so here's where we're, where the separation is. You're talking about uh, alignment for the players, I don't think the alignment is for the players at all. The alignment is completely for the dungeon master. When I'm looking and building encounters and I see, okay, this party has two lawful goods, um, a, a true neutral, uh, a chaotic good, and a neutral good. They are going to go into an encounter with hostages and a princess to rescue and a moral decisions way different than a party that is uh, neutral evil, pure neutral, chaotic, uh, neutral, and lawful evil. That party is going to go into it, and they're going to act differently. And some things 
that may be an ethical challenge for a lawful good would not even register as a challenge for someone who's like a chaotic neutral. Okay, so, so it sounds like you're using for... it as kind of a, uh, a game prep shorthand to summarize yes. your character's personalities. Yes, and I think the reason I need this, I, I don't necessarily need it, I think the reason this helps me um, is because this is a symptom of how much D&D I'm playing. <laughs> I am playing, I'm basically DMing for three weekly games. Wow. And because I'm playing so much D&D, I will be like, okay, what's his character game? What's he like? Okay. Uh, and I can just easily go, oh, he's uh, chaotic neutral. Okay. And I can kind of plan hmm. for certain moral things to throw in, certain ethical dilemmas, um, all these things based on the party. So I don't need it, but it does make my prep easier when I have so many different characters that's, that I have to build encounters for. All right. That's really helpful for me to understand like why you use it the way you do, because um, I, I, with that many players and characters, there's no way you're going to remember that uh, Joe and his paladin made this decision. Or Grognar the Barbarian <laughs> is actually lawful good somehow? Like what? <laughs> uh, classic Grognar. Um, but no, I understand. And I, I really like that. Yeah, I think the mistake is people thinking about uh, alignment for players and like, oh, does this affect my oath or does this affect my spells? And yeah, absolutely. But like, honestly, if I had a bunch of players who didn't know what alignment was, um, they don't need alignment, but I would still do alignment, you know, after the fourth or fifth session for me because it helps me going forward. Yeah. So yeah, the bottom line is alignment is for the dungeon master to give him a shorthand of what quadrant they're in. Even though those quadrants are fuzzy and a lot of times I think of alignment actually as a huge Venn diagram with nine different circles that are greatly over each other. And there's Ooh. so much leeway between them and so much shared ground. Yeah. Um, but it does help. You know, it does be like, okay, this guy, I mean, this party is all lawful or neutral they are going to behave in the town, most likely. And they might not, but, like, I can generally start building encounters in, like, an urban setting, being like, okay, I don't have to worry about, like, the guards having to apprehend them. Hmm. And so that's that's why I use it. I think it's it helps me with encounter building. Um, and also the added bonus, I mean, probably the real major reason is I find it a blast. And most of my players do to just sit around and argue about what their alignments are. And that's where we get a ton of our fun. So maybe this is just um, D&D has all these little vestigial pieces that are pretty fun to play with. That uh, even if, if they have no bearing on the game, like they're still fun. And I think that part of that heritage, part of that tradition of the game is this idea. Um, and so I understand like people like it because it feels like you're connected into this um, this thing that is uniquely Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, nostalgia. Nostalgia. So I, I get what I get what Jake is saying and how he uses it, but I, I'm just I don't, I'm still not a fan of it because when I look at a, a character's actions and you can you can look at it on so many levels and depending upon which way you look at their actions, it's going to change what alignment they are. So for instance, you could have a rogue and he is breaking into the bank and it's like well that's chaotic neutral right but then you find out that the the guy who owns the bank has been stealing money from people in the town it's like well is he really chaotic neutral and then you find out that the rogue doesn't intend to give the money back to the town he's just gonna steal it for himself that it's like well he's back to chaotic neutral and you look at it on so many different levels 
And oh my god, th- this fits and- so much because David, you care about game design and nitty gritty, and I like, do. how does this affect on many you know conceptual levels? And I'm like, I want to tell a good story, and I need a shorthand to give my players the best encounters for me for, their for- ethical standing. <laughs> and then and then you're talking about your paladin um, in your game, and I'm like, well, is is alignment determined based off of the character's actions or is it based off of their intentions? Like if a character intends to be lawful good with their actions and they just happen to do bad things, does that make them lawful evil? Well, that's why he oh, has his group. Oh, we could go down like, that rabbit hole. <laughs> that's, why, that's why Jake has his group do the voting thing because mm-hmm. they've seen like the collective result of actions over time. So it's based off of their actions then it has no bearing on the player's intentions Well, no, no, because no, the whole that, that whole part – it. it People can vouch their case. Mm. There isn't just a silent, this happened, (laughs) everyone close your eyes and raise your hands. No, like, it is like a spirited debate about, like, no, I was trying to do this well. And other one's like, but people died, you know? And it's like a legit debate. It isn't just like, um, sorry, the utilitarian outcome outweighs your... uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It does make an interesting uh, scene in some dystopian novel. Mm. <laughs> if with alignment being like objectively part oh, of society, what a nightmare that would be! Imagine if you were That'd like so weird assigned an alignment when you were born, just like you just oh, stamp my. chaotic it, neutral. This sounds like stamp a stamp bad young good. adult novel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I think it already is. Oh, <laughs> it no. has to be. Well, it has to it's, be. It's titled like oh. the the alignment syndrome, and, and it's called yeah, hearts aligned. Hearts aligned. Oh, God. No, what was the, the and it's like what happens when a chaotic evil character falls in love with a lawful good? <laughs> your 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 world will never be the same. Oh, I'm disgusted. Okay, all right. Um. So so bottom line, I think alignment can be useful. Um. I think it's mostly. I just think it's really fun. Um. It just gives me an excuse to debate philosophy for the most part. And I don't know if that's because I'm playing with. Um. You know, there's a few people at my table that are like uh, philosophy majors. So yeah, so there may be better systems. Um, I'd love to talk with them. I think we'll, at the end of this episode, we'll, we'll get into some different systems and maybe how to make alignment better. I also have some more thoughts. But before, I just want to go through <laughs> each alignment. Uh, and I want you guys to say your thoughts like uh, of what you think about characters that play this alignment. Um, hypothetically, David, if you use alignment in your game one day, like what do you think of each of these kind of tropes and the roles they play in Dungeons and Dragons games? Mm. Yuck. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So the first one is lawful good. Okay, so how I'm going to do this is I'm going to say the alignment. I'm going to say like some kind of names or metaphors for that alignment. And then we will get into some... Uh, potential characters from fiction that could fit into this alignment even though i don't like that what yeah uh didn't we just talk about how it's only for dnd jake yeah <laughs> but so, it's also really fun and as we've proven uh if you're having fun with the alignment system then you're doing it right right jake yes so yeah absolutely so so and it also gives people an example i think um you know, a lot of times people need to be like, wait, what's a neutral good? And then you can just be like Harry Potter and they'll be like, oh, okay. And it kind of does the trick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, but neutral I think the... good? Oh, Harry Potter. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I would say that. I mean, we we're already getting into it. But um, yeah, I think it gives a shorthand that I, I think as long as the conversation doesn't end there, we're good to go. I've spent way too much time debating uh, 
fictional characters alignments in, uh, in Reddit forums. I'm gonna time. I'm gonna challenge every <laughs> single one of these oh characters. Oh, I mean, you can. I I think okay. So so here's a prime example. Before we get into the nine alignments, um, there was a meme going going around a while ago that had uh, Batman. It would have the quote in each alignment and a picture of him in that in that uh, moment. And Batman can literally fit in each and every uh, alignment. Now, I would say it's kind of cheating because, like, the only times he was neutral evil or chaotic evil was when, like, the Joker was uh, controlling him or he had switched place with the Joker. But I think a character that's an example that could literally fit in every single alignment is the Punisher. The Punisher could literally be – you could justify him being lawful good. Wait, really? But also chaotic evil. Absolutely. I think I'm in general, though, Punisher. he is chaotic good, chaotic neutral. Oh, but he, he murders people. Or like, I guess – okay, hmm. hold on. You guys are talking about chaotic. the Netflix show, and I'm talking about the comics, so we might be a little off. Have you seen the Netflix show? I haven't. Oh, well, you would like it. Uh, I, I don't know. I hate him as a character because I view him from the comic books as, like, he's pretty evil. Well, from like my perspective, pretty, the like, Jedi are angry. evil. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't so, expect that. So there are some characters that are legitimately, you could put them in any alignment. So this is going to be a cluster cuss, but let's just dive in. I can't wait. So the first one is lawful good. So examples of like metaphors or, or names for this alignment, the Paragon, the Knight in Shining Armor, the Ideal Hero, and the model citizen. Examples from fiction could be Leslie Nope from Parks and Recreation, uh, Spock from the Star Trek series, or Commissioner Gordon, I think are prime examples of lawful good characters Ooh, for fiction. So, I wonder, so what do you guys think of those? Do you like having lawful good characters in your campaign? I don't think Commissioner Gordon is very lawful, though, because he, he's, he's constantly kind of working with Batman, so he's more neutral. I don't know. Maybe he is, though, because he has to work within the law. But he, then he has to. Kind of but he's breaking the law to work with a vigilante who is breaking the law. That is neutral. He cares about keeping Gotham safe, and he wants the police power structure to remain intact. If he was a neutral mm. good, he would quit the force. Or just train everybody to be a vigilante. Oh, God, that sounds Army like a of Batman. I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I, I still think he's more neutral. Okay, well, bottom line, what do you think of lawful good... Uh, characters in your campaign do you like them do you hate them are they annoying to have in your so campaign? i, I, I have a thought on this um and that is that so often lawful good gets this bad rap for um like paladins for instance being this goofy idiot who just kind of marches around praying for people and being obnoxious <laughs> the and lawful stupid yeah. yeah lawful stupid and i actually hate that phrase because um that is just sort of what everyone thinks of when they think of it mm-hmm. and um as we're seeing here like with commissioner gordon if if indeed we can agree that he's lawful good which maybe i'm kind of on the fence um there are many interesting characters that fit into that this uh it's not quadrant this uh, <laughs> this part of the grid sector yeah this sector of the grid um and i think that that could be a challenge to some people like a good healthy challenge to make them play this person this way and to ma- uphold laws while also trying to do the most good for people all the time yeah i i think the i think lawful good is one of my favorites because they they have a very they have a rigid system that they have to uphold to and they're trying to do all these good things while still like being within the the bounds of the law yeah the bounds the legalism of the law and i think it makes for interesting gameplay decisions if you are a lawful type where you're constantly trying to do things by the book and it creates conflict when you have 
chaotic characters who are like, no, let's just kill this dude. It's like, no, we got to arrest him and he has to have his fair day in court, you know? That makes me think of um, a district attorney kind of character. You could flavor yeah. them like this where they really are trying to uphold or even a judge. Um, and they're more about the spirit of the law uh, more than the letter of the law. And I think that would oh, be the opposite. That would be a, you mean they're about the letter of the law. No, I'm saying like in this, this character like might lean more toward um, like the spirit of the law. Right. You have Harvey Dent. Huh? Yeah. And who's, so they are trying this, to make the city good yeah. and try within the means of the law. Because a strict adherence to laws can sometimes lead to legalism, which just is kind of a different sort of evil in some, in some ways. Like I feel like we're getting away from the topic, mm-hmm. but um, it's, it, see, it's interesting and there's more to it than I think a lot of people give it credit. I think it's interesting how, um, how characters can change as well mm-hmm. from like you see the law deteriorate and it doesn't work. And then the character becomes chaotic, like bringing up Harvey Dent again. Like he goes from just being like, yeah, we need to do things by the book. We need to, you know, make the city great through the means of the law. And then he goes and he's just like flipping coins and killing people. Yeah. He goes from one extreme to the other. And I think that's an interesting characterization that you can have. Yeah. I feel like, um, I like lawful good characters. I think it's because, a lot of times I've seen newer players that haven't played D&D before. Um, maybe they're they, they're not like huge role-playing powerhouses attracted to the lawful good because it's it's a very simple uh, simple sector that they can sit in and just kind of they have their, their small rules to follow and they can stick to the book and they don't have to make tough decisions because the decisions are often already made for them. Hmm. If they're playing as like a, a true lawful good. So yeah, I, I normally like lawful good characters and especially the interplay um, between like just a lawful good versus like a chaotic neutral. Like just like the interplay there can be um, dramatic and constructive as opposed to a lot of times it's just the rogue trying to pick the paladin's pocket and it turns everything bad. Yeah, that's so <laughs> yeah. stupid. I think that even within that one alignment, like you could have a campaign that is more politically focused and let's say it is like intrigue involving lawyers and judges and people who just see the law differently and they interact with it differently. Um, and and the, the diversity in there, I think is just, um, I want to go explore that actually. I probably wouldn't <laughs> use D&D to play that kind of system because I want more of a social... Um, something that holds up social stuff more than say combat stuff. Cause if you go into a, a law firm with a sword, like obviously you're playing a different kind of game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so the next one is the neutral good, Ooh. neutral good. So this, uh, names for this are the reluctant hero, the heart, uh, or the protagonist. Um, so some examples I have Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter and Spider-Man. Luke Skywalker. Okay, this is funny okay. because all the characters that you've listed are young young heroes, right? In general. Like Luke was young at the start of his journey. And I wonder if neutral good is so appealing because it does seem like a middle of the road choice or, or or even like a lack of a choice because you can easily veer into more of the like neutral or good morality. I know most of my play, most of my characters that I play uh, tend to be disaligned because it to me it feels more flexible but also it feels like a hero at the start of a journey yeah and luke, that's why luke, i like the, i like the word protagonist luke, luke isn't neutral good to begin with he's not at the end of star wars is, david he he starts out he's this young gun kid disobeys his parents that's totally chaotic. <laughs> kind of neutral. Joins oh a rebellion. God. David's trolling. Totally chaotic. Uh, I, I, and then starts <laughs> killing people with a lightsaber. 
How is oh that? He kills the Empire. The, he's trying to destroy the organized government. But for good reason. And the government he's, was corrupt. He's extremely chaotic at the least. So, Maybe so chaotic. You look at, so you have to... I think what you're doing here is you're mistaking the forest for the trees and you're going basically, he's part of the rebellion. He must be chaotic. So basically you look at every character, the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of rebels, and you're telling me that every single one of them is automatically chaotic? Yes. Even like no. the, the people who have to... <laughs> it's okay, David's trolling. We got a troll. All right. <laughs> <laughs> troll. Can we get a bell for that troll, Jake? <laughs> the troll bell. <laughs> Troll bell. You gotta pay the oh, troll that's... toll. Right, but anyway, so Jake and I agree that Luke is uh, neutral good at this sort of the game. Well, how do we feel about this alignment, like, personally um, at our table? I love it. Um, I feel like it adds... I think I, I'm playing with some very skilled role players, mm -hmm. and so they're often... Um, put off by this alignment because they're like yeah it's a standard protagonist boring yeah they're like i want to be chaotic neutral or a true neutral mercenary or even um you know just some alignments that aren't like a standard protagonist alignment and i love that absolutely that's fun for, as a dm to be able to kind of flex my narrative muscles but it's nice to have a hero that's just like I'm a good guy. And and so the best character I had that was neutral good was one of my players played a sorcerer um, that was like in kind of my, my Rise of Tiamat homebrew. And so he was this sorcerer that, that had ice magic. And he was just so happy and naive and young. And he was like kind of the, the heart of the party, but also the crux of like the plot. And so he was just like this this happy-go-lucky kid. And people would be like, hey, what are you doing here? Who are you? And he'd be like, we're adventurers. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'm, I'm hearing that in Tobias Funke's voice from Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, it was so it was so great because he was surrounded by rough and tumble, gruff mercenaries and uh, cynical old like just heroes that, and it was it was really cool to see that interplay of like this kind of young protagonist heart. Um, when most of my players want to play like heroes with sketchy pasts, yeah. like it was just nice. The contrast, I think, is is certainly welcome. Hmm. I think it's interesting. It's a it's a differently an interesting alignment, and I can see the 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 neutral good. I think Morty and Rick and Morty is very uh. he's he's kind of a neutral good guy, and he's always like questioning Rick. Oh jeez, Rick! Oh jeez, Rick! Oh jeez! Okay. No, I think the show would would be horrible if it was just Rick going on adventure doing something like it's yeah. only good because of the interplay mm -hmm. between those two. And you need basically an anchor to keep the show from veering off into just a flat out absurdity. Um, and I think that's what neutral good characters often do is even if they're surrounded by all of these crazy alignments, they can often be the heart um, that, that goes like, no, we are remember why we're doing this. And they can be just that standard protagonist, but if they're surrounded by a bunch of weirdo, like they're the one that can often be the glue that holds the party together. Well said. Yeah. I think that the problem though is if you have a party of a bunch of neutral good people, like you can have a kind of a bunch of boring characters. Well, like those for any alignment, a mono. Yeah, I, I think I would, I would, I would strongly encourage, uh, or strongly discourage players from 
from all being chaotic good or all being neutral good like or yeah any alignment if there's a whole party of them it's kind of like there's a lack of drama there's a lack of like just well i was just gonna say conflict uh neutral good characters can be augmented a lot by having some sort of flaw that they struggle with like oh, yeah. a neutral good character who's really greedy mm. but in general they're really good but they 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 struggle with like i really want money <laughs> yeah and i think that's that's I, I think that that's why i i can use alignment with the um traits bonds flaws flaws ideals <laughs> section um because yeah it, like a, a neutral good does not mean a perfect person but it does give them kind of a sort of protagonist feel but yeah they're still gonna have all sorts of flaws and backgrounds and issues and baggage and that's what makes them good wouldn't it be cool to have the background tables from the player's handbook broken out not organized by the background but by the alignment so you'd have all of the traits that are lawful good and all the traits that are neutral oh, just in a row right like what would that look like and if the players chose that to build their character what would that character be like i think you should make it it's a lot of typing <laughs> wait so what is this yeah no, that would just... be interesting i was pontificating that, that would be interesting. Yeah. Where you choose the based off of alignment. So like, you know how you have traits, bonds, and flaws, mm-hmm. and then um, there's one from every, or almost every alignment there. Like, oh, I always get my way, you know, mm-hmm. more like selfish or, or whatever. Um, if you organize those tables. You can copy and paste them. There's like, I, when I looked them up online, mm-hmm. like they have them all in just like one doc and you can copy and paste it and re- okay. just reorganize maybe, it. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. So it's, it's it'd pretty... be cool to look at just to kind of get a picture of the different ideals, of the alignments. Okay, so the next one is Chaotic Good. So these often are called the Rule Breaker with the Heart of Gold, the Maverick, the Rebel, or the Loose Cannon. I think uh, oh, so, these are so fun. So examples of this in fiction are Matt Murdock from Daredevil, uh, Mal Reynolds from Firefly, uh, Robin Hood uh, from uh, Robin Hood, uh, <laughs> the Weasley Twins from Harry Potter, uh, or Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> Wait, which I found that online, and I just lost it. You have to explain that. I... Dude, I, I, I don't huh. know the Sonic lore, and I know there's a bunch of, uh, I think they're called uh, Hogheads. Oh, they're the, the, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a blue boy? <laughs> blue boys. So, so I, I don't know the, the deep Sonic lore, um, but just seeing that, I had to include it because I just lost it when I saw Sonic the Hedgehog as a freaking character. So I'm looking at this list and just seeing Matt Murdock on there, because I think the Daredevil is just such a really interesting character um, because uh-huh. he should be like he started in that lawful good category, but he has become chaotic good because yes. of the world he lives in. And I think that's so interesting and, and more dynamic than um let's say the i don't want to say boring neutral good but let's say like a more traditional standard character um or malcolm reynolds like people who are in situations that you cannot be like a law-abiding citizen or you'll die or you will fail and that or the weasley twins are like the best characters in uh, harry potter r.i.p so fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i really love these characters just because i mean i think i i would identify myself as a chaotic good so i empathize with kind of the hating bureaucracy but still wanting to do the right thing um and just wanting to cut through the red tape and do the right thing even at the expense of the letter of the law um i feel like these characters work really good in a campaign with uh a maybe more 
not necessarily evil, but more bureaucratic and more bad empire, because then they can kind of justify their chaos. You know, that the sprawling kingdom isn't like they aren't the good guys. Um, I think chaotic good characters can be a problem when you're in a society, like a town or a village that's just good. And like, there's just, everything's working great. And it's just, everyone's happy. And you know, if a chaotic good character comes in, he's just like, there's no trouble here. I can make some trouble. And they're, they want to break rules. I think giving them rules to break um, can can help chaotic good characters for sure. Hmm. That's funny. So you're saying in a situation where everyone is good, like lawful, neutral, or chaotic, then mm-hmm. the chaotic good person is almost like a villain. <laughs> if everyone's well, they, yeah, good, no one is. <laughs> no david that's just that's wrong uh, david's got his troll hat on and it's so stuck to his head it's really gross to look at (laughs) oh no Uh, yeah it it could be yeah i think oftentimes roguish types can the chaotic can look bad when they're in a party of all lawful or neutral goods Mm -hmm. I, i i think that's an interesting point because i was listening to a Mike Merrill's interview and he was talking about alignment and uh, it came up where like what would happen if the lawful neutrals like or lawful good took over the world and what would they do to the chaotic goods and they would be and he was talking about how like they would be uh, some of the last ones rounded up and put in jail because the lawful good just can't stand for people who are chaotic and disruptive of systems. And the chaotic good would be really resistant towards these lawful good characters. And there would be a, he speculated that there would be significant conflict between them. Yeah. But it would take some time. Like they would be like, okay, they could be my ally, but once yeah. the world is all good, the chaotics are the, the next ones rounded up. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a really interesting, I think Mike Merrill's put it the best is like, when you think of alignments, Think of what would that alignment's perfect world look like. And then you can kind of see like their philosophy a little better. Okay. Like have it just applied to society. And then you're like, oh. So it's like, no, they don't hate them. But like they <laughs> they once they dealt with all the other problems, like their utopia would need some more uh, cleaning up. And, and they would be the last to be uh, <laughs> dealt with. Yeah, mm. I'm getting some more ideas for young adult fiction, guys. <laughs> I want to hear them. <laughs> oh, God. It would be called chaotic love. Oh, it's getting worse. What happens when a chaotic good falls out in love with a lawful good? In a society where there is only neutral good. Oh, I'm just... Oh, God. That, what a bad genre. <laughs> okay. You just defended all of our fans. Oh, God. <laughs> oh I, yeah, I was gonna about to apologize, but then I was like, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> What's next, Jay? Uh, so the next one is lawful neutral. These often are called the judge, the zealot, the lawman, or just following orders. Mm-hmm. Some examples of this, Stannis Baratheon from Game of Thrones, uh, the Knights Templar, either from history or from mostly the Assassin's Creed game, mm-hmm. uh, or Amanda Waller from DC Comics, um, Captain Picard, uh, from Star Trek, oh yeah, or Judge Dredd, who I feel like is the best example of a lawful yep, neutral. Yeah, I agree with that because he uh, he is the law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, oh, really, he doesn't care about good or evil. It's just like no, I like I am here to enforce 
the law. Like he will shoot just, the yeah. hostage to kill the person behind him, and he will not <laughs> have a second thought about it. I don't. I don't know if he's that. That would that would go into almost almost lawful evil. But if he saves the but lives like, of hundreds of people in like that uh, city block, oh well, that's in New okay. Angeles, well, that's more utilitarian. If we could yeah. save billions at the cost of millions okay so this alignment is one of my favorites what do you guys think of the lawful neutral um pass i, I don't know it, to me it kind of crosses over into the same territory as law or as neutral good um i guess it is just a little more law abiding i don't know it doesn't seem that differentiated to me i almost wonder Wait, if the neutral good the uh the lawful neutral i'm saying it seems similar in some ways i don't know i guess i don't have strong thoughts on this because i don't see it a lot Huh. But, like, you have Stannis Baratheon on this list, and he just obviously did terrible things. Hmm. But, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just... I feel like lawful neutrals are really good. Um, you know, think of, like, paladins, clerics. Um, the ones that are, like, willing to make to, to cut corners ethically or cut corners morally yep. in order to fulfill their oath or in order to, uh, you know, fulfill their god's goal. So an example of this in one of my campaigns is a, a paladin who is an oath of vengeance. Um, and he originally like intended it to be like a lawful good, just normal. He's a pretty, pretty run of the mill paladin. He's his character. He, he likes, he says it's, he's imagines him as uh, the rock in plate mail. <laughs> um, so this, he's just like this, this kind of classic crusader paladin. But every time he sees a cultist, like um, sometimes we'll actually make him roll a uh, constitution to see if he c- can even resist killing them on the spot. Oh my gosh. And so he's so like angry and literally vengeful oath of vengeance paladin that he will just, he has no qualms with torturing, uh, killing, but only cultists who are like blatantly overtly evil. And so uh, it, it probably led to the most spirited discussion of like, is he still good that he tortured? Like he will still torture people. Jeez. And so does that make him good? Um, but, and, and then it's the whole thing of like, but those people were objectively bad. So we argued about that for a long time, but I think he is a prime example. And we settled on lawful neutral because he cares about justice above all else. I think this is a great alignment for um, uh, authority in your game who is yes. uh, more powerful than the players and they're not afraid to hurt the players and they'll actually be on the right side of the, of the law. So you can have your city guards have this kind of um, mindset. Because I was literally it's... just about to say that, how <laughs> it would be really interesting if like all of the city guards were lawful neutral, where they don't give a crap about whether, um, whether or not what they do is good or not. They just care about fulfilling their duty. Hmm where it's someone like, needs to pay for this crime it doesn't matter if you did it or geez, not Jeez, that's a scary society it's like so, a bad cop society i think um another way to tie these characters in is um like making them kind of if you're in a city or something like that like have one of your characters be maybe an ex or like a retired city guard or have them be uh, a member of like um, like the harper agents or something like that where they're like they tie themselves into the world really well which is great for a dm but also uh, it ties them to kind of a a duty or like orders to follow. Um, I think examples of like other alignment systems we talked about um, in the past, the Star Wars, uh, like Edge of the Empire, but the next one was called Age of Rebellion. And your uh, like obligate, like your morality in that was 
orders. Yeah. And so you are given orders and it really, it gives you like a really um, ethical decision to make of like, at what point would you not follow those orders? And so I think this was, this alignment was put on display in my most recent campaign where um, it kind of takes place in like the Renaissance um, era. So, you know, there's gunpowder, all that sort of stuff. And these guys were hired by the crown as essentially like Navy SEALs. And they would drop them by dragon uh, into areas and they would have to like infiltrate dungeons. So they'd have dungeon delving stuff and they would have to uh, take up bad guys and stuff like that. Uh, but they were tied to the empire. Hmm. And so whenever they got back back to base, like they would have a superior that could chew them out. And that would be like, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. Remember, we need to capture all the hostages and not let them go. And it was really cool to have them like... Like, they got all their gold, all their equipment was, like, supplied by the Empire. So they were tied to, like, the ethical, like, the lawful structure, the hierarchy of it. And it was really interesting to see that play out. Yeah, it gives the game a, like you're saying, a structure and an order that is mostly missing from D&D, I think, by and large. Because you don't mm-hmm. have accountability and you don't have uh, debriefs or um, even feedback on how you performed. Yeah, I, I really like adding that in. I want to, in my future games, find out how to, yeah, add that kind of, like you said, debrief, mm-hmm. like, and just be like, yeah, how did we do? Um, what could we do better? <laughs> and even if it's in the form of like some, you know, sergeant chewing you out, like, I just, I don't know. I love that being, that accountability, being held accountable for what you do in the game. So the next one is the true neutral. Uh, this one is... Oh man, it'll be a fun dive. Uh, because like I said earlier, there's I consider the alignments really as like a Venn diagram for each. Like So there's nine circles and neutral kind of has overlap from every other alignment. So it gets real murky from here. So here are the names for the true neutral that I found. The, the apathetic, the mercenary, the retired, or the robot. Um, so a lot of variants there. So some examples uh, from fiction is Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Dr. Manhattan, uh, Treebeard from Lord of the Rings, which there is quite a bit of debate on that. Most people say he's good. Um, Animals from the previous edition, they're actually not considered true neutral in 5e. Um, The Terminator, uh, Mad Max, or The Dude from The Big Lebowski. (laughs) The Dude is, uh, he just doesn't care about the plot going on around him. Wait, how is Sherlock Holmes true neutral? Dude, he's definitely not good. I would say he's chaotic neutral because he has no, he doesn't really regard the law very highly. Wait, isn't he a detective? If you watch Sherlock, he is, (laughs) no, he's all about solving the mystery for the sake of himself. He doesn't give a crap about the law at all. So maybe we're arguing you're talking the specific show and maybe this is just the concept of Sherlock Holmes. I mean... Um, Because I think the concept of Sherlock Holmes is pretty true neutral. I I think that he definitely can dip into chaotic neutral, like David's saying. But in general, you're right. He doesn't give a crap about the law or Mm -hmm. people. So he's not good. Yeah. um, But he's not evil. He's not so he, he cares think, about himself. I think he's but he's very not, close to the middle, if not true. Though. He's not lawful though. Conceptually though, Sherlock Holmes is pretty pretty close. And remember, true neutral, like you said, they can literally go up, down, left, right, mm-hmm. and they, they can be put yeah. anywhere. Um so I think I think the perfect example of this is Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, because Dr. Manhattan is a prime example of like once you can see beyond 
human emotions and beyond uh like literal space and time all human problems including like morality and like society just they don't go out the window they just aren't even visible from that high and yeah i think he's a perfect example and he's got several amazing quotes where he's just i am tired of earth these people i'm tired of being caught in the tangle of their lives and it's just it's so interesting to see that kind of like ascent into godhood um where all ethics and morality kind of fade away it's really dark and really interesting but i think he is an example of a true neutral for sure yeah i think um playing apathetic characters especially to even close to the degree of dr manhattan um would be um i don't know to me it, it would be hard to engage that character if there's like uh, i don't really care i'm true neutral but so yeah <laughs> i feel like true neutral can really in D go three ways uh the first way is kind of like you said the apathetic uh not not even apathetic i would say the first way is like a, a druid and all they care about is balance yeah. They they don't want one side to win over the other. So they will almost switch into, like, if they're in a chaotic society, they'll get more lawful. If they're in, like, uh, regardless of where they're at, they just want balance. Um, the other one is the robot. I think of this as kind of like a, like a warforged character. Or you're playing a character that is just so... Maybe they've been imbued by magic for just one purpose. And they're so single-minded. Like, all they have is their programming, which could be really interesting um, in a campaign. And then the third one, which I think is the most common one, is just the mercenary. Uh, they're the one that is just like, I will do whatever as long as they pay me gold. Yeah. Like, whoever pays me the most gold, I'll be on their side. Um, I feel like that's, that's a pretty common uh, background of just like... You know, if and the best way to address this, or not, maybe the worst way, um, is just to have the villain come up to the true neutral and be like, "I'll double whatever they're paying you," Aww. and just see how they react. And so that could be a big character moment where they go, oh, "Like, I, I later, won't guys. follow the gold. <laughs> yeah. I'll follow my party." Or they will do what you said, David. They'll just be like, "No," and they'll maybe become a villain. <laughs> so yeah, th there's a lot of ways to go with the true neutral. I think if we're sp speaking of mercenaries, um, it is cool that within one mercenary band, you could have lawful, true, and chaotic neutral, because they all kind of oh, yeah. like justify what they're doing a certain way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, true neutral, I think, is probably the most unique on this sheet because of their like lack of involvement or lack of um, caring about the world around them. Lack of commitment yes. to a side. Yes. Um, which which can make for great characters. I've had some pretty interesting characters that have been true neutral. Um, and, and they have to be, I don't know, I, I think in a good role player's hands, they can um, overcome a lot of, and they can basically have a ton of character development, which is really awesome. You know, like a lawful good or a neutral good, when they slay Tiamat, they're just going to smile and give you a thumbs up. And they didn't really have much character development. You know, maybe they overcame some sort of flaw. But, like, a true neutral, like, when they slay Tiamat and they, like, invest so much gold to do this, they're going to be like, whoa, like, I changed a lot. Like, there's going to be a lot of development there. Hmm. So next we have the chaotic neutral, one of the most infamous alignments of D, &D of old this is uh, the uh, murder what the shadow orphan of alignment shadow orphan maybe murder hobo so this is often called the hedonist the anarchist the rebel or the nutcase 
Um, examples of this are Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Conan the Barbarian, um, Han Solo at the beginning of uh, A New Hope, uh, Ferris Bueller, <laughs> yeah, uh, Wolverine from most X Men comics, uh, Loki. Uh, this one is my favorite. <laughs> Waluigi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Waluigi. Uh, uh, Kratos from the God of War series. Um, or Gurr from Invader Zim. I have not seen Invader Zim. Oh, it's great. But Gurr is just an agent of chaos and silliness. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so what do you guys think of Chaotic Neutral? And it's kind of infamy. I think that it, that it gets a bad rap. And I think a lot of people take the word chaos to mean insane oh. or random huh. and yeah. they just tend to spew it into i'm just gonna do whatever and it <laughs> it gives them like a license to just be be a problem be a problem when <laughs> really a chaotic neutral character can be someone with a very individualized philosophy and they're really focusing on themselves but they're also just very individualistic. It's like, I have my own code, my own set of rules. I don't care what the world thinks about them. And I'm just going to do, I'm just going to follow them. This is okay. So I have a question here. Maybe an observation is more accurate. Um, so if we're saying a true neutral is a person who cares about balance and a lawful neutral is a person who cares about laws, but not people, then a chaotic neutral is a person who cares neither for laws nor people, but seems to cause problems for society so i guess jack sparrow does fit with that because he just yeah hmm. um yeah i think it, these fit more you know if you already live in kind of a, a neutral setting the chaotic neutral can kind of look more bad mm -hmm. but if you live in almost a lawful evil setting the chaotic neutral makes more sense you okay. know they look like han solo as like a smuggler they're just trying to cut through the red tape um, you know, they may, they might not necessarily be selfless and good, but they just hate bureaucracy. And mm. so it doesn't have to be just a discord sower. <laughs> it, this is a great um, point that I think you're kind of getting at. Um, the society uh, or the setting of the game is going to recontextualize how these alignments come across. Like we were saying for uh -huh. lawful good, like a chaotic good in a lawful good society seems like an evil person. And um, chaotic neutral, like just reading it on this list here, um, it seemed like they're a bad guy. But then, as you're saying, against the evil empire, Han Solo seems like a hero. Like we don't care that he yeah. smuggles stuff. Like that's literally illegal. Yeah, yeah. But he's not <laughs> evil. Yeah. No, so, so this is really interesting. Um, once the, uh, so in the time between episode six and episode seven of star Wars, when there's like that, that big kind of open with like 30 years where the, uh, the new Republic emerges. And if Han Solo was doing the same thing he's doing when we meet him in <laughs> the new hope, he's going to look, he's going to be a bad guy. Yeah. Right. Cause mm -hmm. he is, he is cutting through red tape that was put there by the quote unquote good guys. So, yeah, it is – it completely – I think lawful and chaotic, that ethical scale, changes based on the setting. I think the selfless versus selfish, like, good and evil scale, uh, that won't. If you have a good person and you put them in different settings, I think – my theory is, you know, I, for the most part, they would remain good or bad mm -hmm. people. Um, so that's why – 
it's pretty easy to be like I'm good, neutral, or, or evil. But like the the lawful, chaotic, that shifts, and that's why I think it's very bad to do alignment during character creation, especially if they don't know the world you've created. Oh, because yeah. they they don't have the context. So like if I'm saying okay, we're gonna start this new campaign that's you know post apocalyptic, um, it's gonna be very hard for them to be like, well, is my character uh chaotic in the post-apocalyptic or would they be more lawful and they wouldn't really know until they got into the world until they sunk their teeth into the universe that the dm creates and so yeah i think that that ethical uh lawful chaotic scale completely depends and relies on the context to even work wow i've just never thought about this before but um you're right like i don't think that alignment should be chosen in character creation but so often we do and then you get characters or or players playing characters who aren't really what they were supposed to be because uh they they're trying to be prescriptive of uh what box their guy fits into Mm -hmm. man yeah i I learned a lot already we're not even (laughs) done with the with the alignment chart now we're getting into uh, the evil alignments. So we're starting oh with lawful evil. These are the ones that David this... is in, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just in all so, of them. <laughs> lawful evil is incredibly interesting because of the alignments we've talked about, we talked about the first six. This is number seven. This is the last alignment allowed in official D&D Adventurers League play. Hmm. You are allowed to play a lawful evil character, but you are literally not allowed. You are banned from playing a neutral evil or a chaotic evil player. Wait, do which they is have really interesting. So lawful evil, so they're often called the warlord, the fascist, methodical organizational villain, uh, or honor among thieves. Um so lawful evil. Uh so examples from fiction are Claude Frollo from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hannibal Lecter, oh. uh, Lex Luthor, Darth Vader, Doctor Doom, Roz Al Ghul, and I think this one sums it up best: Dolores Umbridge oh, from Harry Potter. She was so actually, I hated her more than I hated Voldemort uh, in Harry Potter because mm. she was just oh okay let's get into it okay so so the theory behind that behind the hatred of umbridge more than voldemort is because no one has dealt with a large scale like kind of eye of sauron voldemort type villain everyone has been at the dmv or has been in line at the grocery store and has dealt with someone like dolores umbridge oh so it's a uh, relatable powerlessness in in the face of uh uh, uncaring bureaucracy yes you don't know what it's like to fight a earth shattering villain uh, maybe you like, don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're adventurers i've been to mount sauron at least twice <laughs> no 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 you Ma- think mount magic sauron. mountain is what you I, I heard it was mount doom but i, I don't know where <laughs> mount sauron <laughs> right now um one of my friends is a big um or one of our listeners is a big lord of the rings fan and he i guarantee just shouted david's name <laughs> in frustration <laughs> Just cursed him. I've destroyed at least three rings. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. So, okay, what do you guys think about the lawful evil, and maybe why Why do you think this one, despite being evil, is allowed in, like, official, uh, organized D&D play? That, I, I got no idea. So, I, I think I have an idea of why lawful is allowed, and that's because they still have to obey the rules, and someone who's lawful is more likely going to be playing along with others even if it is for their own nefarious purposes they're still going to be 
following general structure, which I think kind of fits along with a warlock because you want to if hmm. you if you want to play a warlock, you might be doing things that are bad. To like serve you pay your, your taxes, patron. but occasionally you suck the life out of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for lack of a better description, I think that a warlock is um, is going to be kind of lawful, but you don't want to have someone who is, I guess, chaotic, who is just randomly flipping coins and popping people in the face. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, this is allowed in Adventurers League, like official play. Because with, like, a chaotic evil or even a chaotic neutral, um, you don't know how they're going to act. And in organizational play, you kind of have to, like, be prepared for anything. And there are a lot of times strangers at the table. And so the thing about lawful evil characters is they're normally part of a religious structure, like an inquisitor Mm -hmm. or part of a bureaucracy, like part of a lawful society. But regardless, they wear their alignment on their sleeve. Like Dolores Umbridge isn't like a questionable, oh, is she, could she be a good guy? No, it's like straight up. It's like bad, that lawful evil, lawful evil, lawful evil. And so I think that's why they are allowed is because going back to my philosophy of alignment, alignment is a tool for the DM to kind of predict how the players will react and build their encounters accordingly. So you know how a lawful evil is going to act, but like a chaotic evil, you have no idea. And that's scary for someone who's running a game for strangers. Yeah, for sure. Hannibal Lecter. So I guess because Hannibal Lecter is a serial killer who lives well within the bounds of society. I'm just trying to like imagine a character that, that has these. I really don't think that Lex Luthor is lawful. I feel like he's more neutral. People don't even know that he's a villain. Like the average yeah, person I feel like, know. I mean, he was elected president in the DC. But he's still, like, he does shady things behind people's backs that aren't within the means of the law in order to gain, do his, or do his will, which isn't hmm. necessarily lawful. It's like, it, I don't think someone's perception of you matters. Someone can think that you're a lawful good person and you can easily be evil neutral evil. i think lex luthor's not his um like maybe people might not know but like his means that that he uses are all pretty much lawful he uses building a company he uses politics he uses the system and at no point does lex luthor generally subvert the hierarchy he, he lives in it so um a way uh, okay, had, i guess i can see that. a way that i've heard um this system described is uh, instead of the word lawful, you just replace it with order. And so if you think of Lex Luthor mm-hmm. just working within these orderly systems, like, like Jake is saying to get his way, like he's not blowing up buildings and killing orphans. He like, he, yeah, he's, he's yeah. building foundations, but then laundering money or building a secret rocket to go fight Superman, whatever he's doing. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think, um, other examples is like uh, Darth Vader, Doctor Doom. Uh, these 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 characters have a certain authoritarian element to them. Um, it's very hard. I mean, I almost impossible to play a lawful evil character without some sort of hierarchical structure organization backing you up. Yep. 
Um, it just doesn't make sense to have like a, you know, a rogue all by himself where you start in a prison for him to be a lawful evil character. It just, it mm. can't, it almost can't work. I would, that would be a challenge to try to make a lawful evil, evil character that doesn't have like some structure behind it. You're right. Even if it's a thieves guild with five people, like, you still have a group that you are kind of a part of. Yeah. But it almost implies um, power and maybe even money. You can't like yeah. saying you can't just come off the street and be a lawful evil. Yeah, you need to know hmm. the structure, um, and I feel like that's why lawful evil characters can work only if they know the DM's world very well. Hmm. Um, so they can kind of use it as almost like a diplomat or a politician um, or someone who is kind of using the structure maybe they can send guards upon you know people that are technically doing good things um or they can like work within the system that the dm that the dm created um but again it takes knowing the world that the dm made inside and out in order to be able to manipulate it and be a lawful evil so the next one is neutral evil uh this is the deliberate villain uh also called true selfish balanced malice or the typical bbeg big bad evil guy um so examples of this are cartman uh from south park (laughs) (laughs) uh davy jones uh from pirates of the caribbean uh emperor palpatine from star wars uh kingpin uh from marvel comics uh voldemort um and i think the best example uh, is Ego the Living Planet from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, so selfish. So yeah, selfish. it's just pure selfish, which I think evil is. Like, evil is just caring about only yourself mm-hmm. and no, at the expense of literally anything else, which is, in Ego's case, like, the whole universe. Like, it's just <laughs> he wants it to be all him. True. Just him. Wait. Which is just quintessential neutral evil. Wait, what about Palpatine? I feel like he is definitely lawful because he gets elected into That's the actually, Senate that, and then and then he dissolves it within the law. I would agree with that. I feel like neutral evil characters are often lumped together and you're like, are they the main antagonist? Yes. Okay, they're probably neutral evil. You can say that about Voldemort yeah. or Davy Jones oh, or uh, Sauron. So I think Emperor Palpatine might have just been lumped in there because he is the main antagonist. But yeah, I feel like he would fit, especially in us talking about lawful evil and like the power structure behind it. And especially, mm-hmm. like you said, David, how he got there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say he'd be more lawful evil. Well, by sure. that definition, we could also put Kingpin and Voldemort in lawful evil because they had their own little organizations. Uh, I don't know, because if you look at Voldemort, he has his own organization, but the greater organization, he just wants to burn to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, true. And so true. that doesn't make him chaotic, but I think it puts him square it, in the It puts him evil. neutral. And so Kingpin, yeah, I think it depends on the... Uh, it's a criminal comic. organization, but he's not using... He, unlike Lex Luthor, he's not using a uh, business. Oh, because he does stuff or, like uh, uh, protection rackets and... Right, he's more yeah. of a thug, like, maf- well, he's not mafia, but he's, um, I see, I see, there is a difference. Yeah, so it's, you kind of have to look at the philosophy of not just the organization that he is leading, but, like, the greater context of that, and it's still criminal, so I'd say kind of the same argument for Voldemort. But in general, these characters tend to be just complete jerks, um, or they tend to be kind of the main central antagonist uh, of the campaign. 
Yeah. And they're um, easy to I, make because neutral evil. It fits everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to be honest, I don't think I would allow a neutral evil uh, in my campaign. A player? Um, or a character? Yes. A character. Unless they had like some fantastic, like they want to reveal that they've been the villain the whole time. Um, or like they have some really good thought out plan or they're, uh, they're masquerading as a different alignment the whole time. Exactly. Yes. And that would be fantastic. But as far as like, just it, like imagine telling your DM, I want to be just a purely selfish character that doesn't care about order or chaos, but just cares about myself. The DM would be like, Oh my, that just is a nightmare for running the game. Yeah. Nobody's <laughs> going to enjoy that game. Red flags yeah. everywhere. So the last one we have is chaotic evil they often go by the terrorist the feral beast some men just want to watch the world burn so examples of this from pop culture are uh honestly the joker is probably one of the quintessential examples of this um like david said earlier um i would include two-face in here as well because the flip of the coin could be considered lawful but in um, general it is chaos i think it's, it's totally chance. random yeah yeah and so I, you know, random it, chance is by definition chaotic yeah and so that's really interesting to see him go from like lawful good like da to the exact opposite alignment um which is really cool to see that complete flip across the chart um so Next, we have Joffrey Baratheon oh, and Ramsay Bolton from uh, Game of these Thrones. Are, these are characters are... that I just wanted to die. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. They're near psychopaths. Yep. Um, uh, Carnage from Marvel Comics. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just wants to see the most damage. To, I mean, wants to see his name <laughs> inflicted, his literal name as a noun. Um, uh, Freddy Krueger is an example. Just kind of an antagonistic, like random frightening thing um almost more of an idea like kind of a boogeyman type yeah than than like a good well written character um and then the final one is uh anyone who plays grand theft auto for <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> uh, too true that's actually true keep, you get bored you're like all right keep your politics <laughs> out of my podcast jake <laughs> what <laughs> Um, so I really like this category, but um, I feel like it's really hard to run these villains well because the Joker, mm. I think, is as far as I've seen, always written really. He's always written really well in the the movies and and TV shows and stuff. Uh, in the case of Joffrey Bar- Baratheon and Ramsay Bolton, um, they were sort of too much on screen. So they, whenever they're on screen, you're just so nervous because they're just probably gonna hurt mm-hmm. someone. Um, so good. But in a game of D&D, you couldn't pull them out very often because the players are just going to want to kill them. I mean, yeah. that that's that's the thing with these types of characters is they, they're they burning the candle from both ends mm-hmm. and they are they blow up like a hot flame. Yep. Like they, they will go, they do their damage and then everyone hates them because they don't care about anything or anyone. They yeah. just burn every single bridge that they have until they're dead. And the players <laughs> will do bridges. literally everything they can to make sure that they die as soon yeah. as possible. Yeah, I, they just want them off. I think what showed this character 
the most, the true nature of this character was when I said, okay, so what do you guys think about chaotic evil characters? Will didn't even mention player characters and just went to villains. Oh yeah. Because it's like, you, you can't even imagine a player. No, you can't just... imagine. Like you, maybe if you're running a very specific campaign that I want no part of. Um, just pure evil. Yeah. Like murder hobo. You're going to have a really gross campaign that, um, and I've seen stuff online where they're just literally like raping and pillaging and killing um everybody <laughs> viking simulator yeah <laughs> um, and i i just washed my hands of the whole thing yeah i i wouldn't want any part of it um i i almost said like oh i, I could maybe do it for a one shot just to see the carnage but then i was like no i would want to do it for like 10 minutes and then be like okay ha, ah, that's funny it, it's basically like grand theft auto right yeah i was just gonna just say this like shameless ridiculous you know physics of you know bodies flying but then after a while you're like okay you know, like, well, <laughs> it's so like just... a... even in GTA, you don't play as a chaotic evil. You're playing as more like a, a neutral evil or even a chaotic neutral because, like, you still have to, you know, not kill people or else the cops come after you. So, yeah, and, yeah. and in D&D, like, constantly being chased by the, the law, um, probably not a really fun. I don't know. <laughs> if you disagree with us, you can write us. Jake, you forgot the final 10th alignment. Uh, wait. There are 10 in 5e, and that is unaligned uh and oh, it, <laughs> what, what? this is for wild animals because they don't have right and wrong and oh, they don't have society so they're so they're not could didn't they used to be true neutral yeah i think so um unless though i would rule that cats actually can be evil oh uh, well <laughs> chaotic evil specifically. And, and dogs are lawful uh well they're just neutral good boys <laughs> i'm gonna say who's a neutral good boy <laughs> who's a neutral good boy <laughs> So online, uh, I guess this is more of an aside. Somebody made a list of commandments for each alignment, sort of a thou shalt and thou shalt nots, um, that I think are really helpful in determining your character's worldview world more than just mm -hmm. picking an alignment and going. Um, so if you just Google around, you'll find that. Yeah, I think having stuff like that where you can be like, no, like this is what um these are despite you know I, I feel like we're being kind of paradoxical and being like alignment is so fuzzy and ridiculous and then like <laughs> being like well here's how you want to play this alignment better <laughs> yeah this is kind of like how alignment goes is on one hand people are like oh it's meaningless like me saying this but then also like i understand the enjoyment of assigning characters you know to a, a box yeah so another quick aside uh i think like i said earlier um alignment is should be strictly for dungeons and dragons um and as much fun as it is to pick ran you know to, to try to place people into categories um these things are fictional um and we don't want any hate mail saying that we put something in the wrong alignment we're just doing it for fun um and none of these are official uh, I, I mean, they can't be. It's no, just such I, a fuzzy thing. <laughs> yeah, no, we're objectively right all the time. Oh, no. That, that's what it's going to say uh, on the tattoo on my forehead I'm going to get. Oh, <laughs> yes. No. Um, but yeah, I know that the Punisher, like you said, could fit into just any category that you want. And the argument could be made probably for every character we've talked about, um, except yeah. for the Joker. I don't know. Like, that'd be, have to, that would be a pretty compelling argument. Yeah, I think, I think all of these can be shifted. Um, but I think... So what I, my point is... Alignment is not for the players. I mean, it's fun, but for me, like the my main point is alignment is for me, like a shorthand of like knowing my players well enough to build the best encounters I can for them. Mm -hmm. So a prime example uh, of this, I thought about it. I just 
rewatched Breaking Bad again. Um, and it was really cool to see the character Walter White evolve completely and almost be, uh, you can't even recognize him from the first episode to the last. And that yeah. scene that changes really um, interesting. But I was thinking kind of like, oh, what alignment could he be put into? Um, and then I thought, no, 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 I'm, I'm doing this wrong. And the whole point of fiction and especially like TV shows and just like the drama comes from not knowing their alignment and seeing okay. what the character does. But I think if you were to go to Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, and say this episode, and he, if he knew what you know the alignment chart was, if you went season three, episode five, what alignment is Walter White? I think he'd have an answer like that. Like, because he knows the character so well that he can have that alignment prepared. And that alignment changes throughout the show but he would know where the character is at. I think that is the responsibility of the dungeon master to it, maybe if you don't want it to be alignment, maybe you find that too rigid and too structured, but regardless, you should know where your players stand ethically and morally. So you can present them with the best uh, situations that you can. I, I don't think you should be like, well, they can just do whatever. I mean, that could work for a free flow completely open random open world game but for me like if you want to have plot if you want to have structure if you want to have story beats and uh character development and all that stuff that that i enjoy most about the game you need to know where your players are um maybe not on the alignment chart but just ethically and morally and just in general as a character well said so we've uh talked a lot about where we are with alignment but i wanted to talk about the history of alignment a little bit um so in the original game there was only three options and that was law neutrality and chaos there was no mention of good neutral or evil which i think is kind of uh. interesting um i guess that stuff was added a little bit later on um the other thing is there were alignment languages so if you were uh, <laughs> lawful then you can communicate via some manner. I don't know if it's a sign language what? or something with other alignment languages. So if you somehow are a, well, there's no, there's no lawful goblins probably in those games, but if you're neutral and you meet a goblin, you don't speak goblin, but you both speak neutrality and you can sign a neutrality. So what that is wild. I know it's it, to me, it seems strange and um, spicy. Uh, Gygax oh explained gosh. that he envisioned it kind of like a religious language. Like you, th you think of uh, Catholicism has Latin as this language that, well, maybe not all Catholics know, but in general, it's accepted that that it's is kind of a lexicon. And if we're talking a medieval era, like that was definitely set aside for this, um, you know, for religious practices. So um, uh, <clears throat> I'm kind of seeing that with with chaos and like thieves can't. Yeah. Um, yep. It kind of still. I guess maybe that's a remnant of this, but this whole system seems kind of silly. <laughs> like, if you're a neutral, you know, mercenary, since back then all animals were neutral, could you could every mercenary talk to animals? No, no, no. Because, I mean... It would have to be an intelligent creature. Yeah. There's oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. Um, Gygax wasn't a fool, Jake. Yeah. He was smarter than you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take the troll hat off, David. Um, but yeah, so that I think is interesting. And I, and I might bring that back into my game but really much more limited <clears throat> like maybe it would be you can just say sort of yes and no and uh, where's the bathroom in in any alignment <laughs> where's the bathroom um the last thing okay hold on hold on side sidebar <laughs> has has any anyone in any of your games ever ever used the restroom 
Well, can we include like going outside in the woods? Uh, yeah. I think thematically, somebody said like they go up like uh, during their watch and they were like peeing and they see the stars and then they made a comment on like the beauty of the night. But that was, oh my God. and I might be making that up in my memory. Uh, but it seems like something that's happened at least once. I mean, I know I've done that in real life. Not <laughs> like, the question. <laughs> Um, the last thing that uh, was cool about alignments is that clerics could cast certain spells in reverse. Um, so now we have a spell that is blessed and a spell that is cursed, but you would actually have to cast bless in reverse, which then becomes Whoa. cursed. You, so you see, or, or cure wounds will become deal wounds. Inflict wounds. Inflict wounds, yes. Um, Whoa. But if you did that, then it would flip your alignment and you would lose all of your other spells. And it was like a huge problem. Um <laughs> Uh, but if you're in D&D, you would roll your characters uh, randomly. And so there was a, a pretty good chance that you were an evil cleric, which means all of your spells were dark. So um, did you play a game called Jedi Knight like back in the 90s? It was like I've a, heard of it. It was I've a Star it. Wars kind of first-person shooter game. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But in that game, they had light side powers and dark side powers. And it was like a skill tree you go down. Oh, yeah. And all the dark side stuff was about inflicting pain. And the light side stuff was about like shielding and healing. And so it... I think that D and D really looked more like the Force in in dark side light side terms than it does modern D and D. Weird. Okay, That's cool. so I've I haven't played that game, but I've played um, Star Wars: The Old Republic, basically like a, a World of Warcraft clone uh, that was like an MMO. Oh, RPG. the fans are gonna be so mad at you, Jake. I mean, it was. They knew it. But it was a fun game. It was great. Like, Bioware had all sorts of um, cool stuff with the light side and dark side. And they actually had, um, like, your character could, regardless of if they were on, like, the, uh, I believe they called it, like, the Empire versus the Old Republic. I can't remember. But um, regardless what side you are, you could still kind of wiggle into good or bad, like the light side, dark side. Um, And certain gear at really high levels could only be worn if you had you were enough to the dark side oh. or you were good enough on the light side. And it was really interesting, not because of that. That's not a, a real crazy um, system. But there was some gear for bounty hunters where you had to be within a range in the middle. <laughs> you couldn't be too light. You couldn't be too dark. You had to be um, like in this neutral ground and it was really interesting i've never seen that before to be like oh your character isn't neutral enough to wear that <laughs> bounty hunter armor and it's just incredible to see that um yeah <laughs> what would that look like in D? like you put on a helmet and it just slips off your head somehow it's like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're not evil enough <laughs> yeah yeah i i don't know i i like um i haven't really instituted it but like having alignment specific um not specific spells um but maybe if you have like a sentient weapon, um, giving it an alignment and basically it can only do one of its mega superpowers if your character or the person who's holding it, their alignment matches the alignment of the sentient weapon. I think, that could be interesting. I think that that is um, not a new idea because I have seen oh, no. uh, attuned weapons or like uh, sentient weapons where uh, if you are the opposite or, or opposite enough, then you'll have disadvantages using it because it just fights your every uh, action. Oh, that's yeah, that 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 I I don't know. I as much as alignment gets a lot of it gets a bad rap. I feel like including it in little ways like that is is pretty cool. Yeah, when there's stuff in the game that actually makes it matter more, um, mm-hmm. 
But I mean, I guess the goal of alignment, like the way we've described it and the way you use it is to kind of make sure players play in a consistent way. And I think that backgrounds are supposed to enforce that. But then that's to use the uh, inspiration system, which I guess we'll talk about on a different show, which is also completely irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what you're talking about is like you – it's in order to force them to play a certain way. But I really – I think I sound like a broken record. I use it just to track where they're at, Mm -hmm. um, both ethically and morally. But I think a way to improve alignments even more – I mean, and it shows my love of the system. David's gonna hate this, uh, but we, I, I think I briefly mentioned it on a previous episode. But I add an additional axis oh. to the alignment. <laughs> so there is, you know, there's the lawful chaos. There's the good evil. I add another to make it an alignment cube, and so that third axis is idealistic versus cynical, hmm. and. I feel like it is is added to my game. First, it gives us more to talk about in our sessions when we're trying to figure out where characters are. Um, but when you look at, you know, there's a wide variance of characters that we were even picking out of fiction. Um, so like, for example, Batman and Superman. You know, you can put them in different places. Um, but let's just say, let's just agree, which no one will ever, but let's just agree <laughs> they're they're both neutral good. Right. Okay. And you, you can, you can, I mean, yeah, right. you can make that argument. You can make that argument. They're both neutral. Sure, good. sure. Um, but what makes them different if they're in that same alignment? Um, I would argue that they're not bending more towards chaos or law or neutrality. I think what they're bending more towards is idealism and cynicism because Superman is completely idealistic most of the time, most iterations. And Batman, most iterations, he is cynical. And so seeing that difference, it can open up even more. Um, ways to, uh, you know, not pin a character down, but be able to identify their different um, things. And I, I think this can come from uh, traits, bonds, flaws a lot. Um, but in general, if you look at an alignment and think of like lawful good, you can have a, a, a this, this new city guard who's ready to save the world and just wants to help his city. And he's just so naive and so ready to just be a good guy. And then you can have another guy who's about to retire. He's old and grizzled. He may be missing a hand. And he's been in the guard for years. And he's seen the worst of the worst. And he may still be a lawful good, but he is a cynic. And I love seeing it. They're both lawful good, but they're completely different characters. And so I love adding that cube. So, I mean, even if I look behind me and look at all my uh, my character sheets for all my characters, uh, my players have, it'll be like CCN, like cynical, chaotic, neutral. Or oh. it'll be uh, I-N-G, like idealistic, neutral, good. And so I think that even adds more to it and just shows how much I love alignment that I would double down on it to add another axis. <laughs> Wait, so is there a neutral band on your uh, third side of so, your cube? So the way I, I do it is that neutral band is kind of like you can be in the middle, um, but normally I just say don't write it down. So you would just be like a, a neutral good. <laughs> neutral, neutral, neutral. Neutral, neutral, neutral. Yeah, mm. I, a triple neutral. And I mean, it'd still be a true neutral, but yeah. Um, yeah, I... I think it only fits um, or it fits better when you're like more cynical or more idealistic. Other than that, you can kind of leave the axis. Right. Even a a true neutral neutral idealistic is so different than a true neutral cynical. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it it gives Mm -hmm. more, 
flavor to just their background and how the character acts. And I love it. You have thoughts, David? I mean, it's just, it's like, it's like putting hot sauce on a turd. Still a turd. Gosh, why are you so negative? (laughs) I mean, I gotta play devil's advocate. I think, (laughs) I still think the system is flawed and I think that you can achieve what you're trying to achieve in uh, a better way through backgrounds. I'm, I'm still trying to defend alignment. If you were to describe to a new player um, a system of morality, I think to a new player, you can explain alignment and get them playing the game way, way quicker than you can explain to them every possible background they could have. I feel like it's almost overwhelming. And I feel like alignment is already kind of baked into nerd culture and like geekdom that like people already kind of know what alignment is. Mm-hmm. and can just be like, yeah, I kind of want to be a chaotic neutral warlock. And you're like, okay, boom. Like, as opposed to like, I don't know. And I love getting in the nitty gritty too, but I think the alignment system is not total garbage. I mean, for that so, reason. So starting out, like your point, like, sure. Yeah. It like to get into, it's a basic system for gauging player action, but like it really starts to break down over time as you really get into the nitty gritty of it. And I don't, I think once you get to that point, it's just, it's not useful anymore. Well, I think by the time you get to where it breaks down, your character will be so well defined. By yeah. What, fleshed out. Yeah. That you really aren't leaning on it as much. Um, so yeah, I think David is right. But then I am also seeing Jake's point about, Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm satisfied guys. We can end it now. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. <laughs> I would really like to have you guys, in a game and have you do my system and see how you like it. Cause it'd be really interesting to see like David, I doubt you'd look at it and be like, I can't play in this game. Cause he thinks he's neutral when he's actually lawful, you know, like would that really break no, the game for you so that. much? That, we'll like, have to play and find out. I'll, uh, yes, we will. Skype me in, Skype me in coach. <laughs> so we mentioned briefly that the culture in which the alignment appears kind of determines how we view um, different alignments. But if we're taking this to its natural extreme, like would a goblin culture have a different rating for, okay. So let's say I have a goblin who is neutral good, but that same goblin in a human society is more like chaotic neutral or maybe even evil. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think this leads to a very strange conclusion about uh, these more uh, obscure races that are, playable races in D D 5e um but i think it, it just speaks testament to uh it just proves how well designed 5e is because they were vague about alignment <laughs> intentionally um an example from history that I, I can pull out is in the beginning of the united states after the revolutionary war they had the articles of confederation which was technically a better document than the constitution, but it was too specific. It was too strict and everything about it was so labeled out and everything was so well-defined that people started bickering. But under the constitution and the bill of rights, everything is so intentionally vague that it works better because it leaves room for debate. And so no one can say, well, that's wrong. They're like, no, 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 debate it out in the legal system. Yeah. And so that's why I think 5e does the same thing. They're they're like, yeah, alignment, it's a thing, but it doesn't have to be. 
Um, you can use it or not, um, but here's what it is in case. And that has, I don't know, I feel like they they did, they did made the best decision in doing that and making it purely optional. I think you're right, because the game can satisfy somebody like David who really doesn't see a need for it, or you mm-hmm. who've like, you've made it into, I would say, a much a much better system, or than me who's obviously usually landing kind of in the middle. Yeah, but but going back to your point, uh, yeah, I think these these different uh, races like goblin or like hobgoblin or um, even like tiefling, um, they're very careful with their wording, and they'll be like, "This race leans towards evil," <laughs> but like they don't say you can't play a lawful good tiefling. But it, it, but they it, they make it seem, and I think really well that they make it seem like yeah, it'd be very rare to see a lawful good tiefling. Yeah, and I think that makes it more interesting to see that kind of the bell curve for a goblin, they would be more, they would be more evil. <laughs> yeah, they would. Like I'm thinking of the the most good goblin or the most the best tiefling in a village the goodest goblin the goodest goblin that's another <laughs> that's young another adult, young adult. <laughs> <laughs> that's more like a children's it's a children's story, story. Uh, the oh, goodest man. goblin i like it better the purple goblin okay but then like a human or somebody comes in and they have goodness on a level that that that, that culture has not even conceived of mm. like he gives them free things and no goblin has ever given something willingly that wasn't taken from them yeah, I think the you can play boy. with this a lot. I think knowing kind of the lean of races can allow you to, to give your world so much more flavor. Um, and, you know, I, I've talked about this with players and they want to play a weird sub race. Um, you know, like if they want to play a Dragonborn in, you know, like a Rise of Tiamat campaign, it's going to be like, people hate the Dragon Cult, man. Like they, they're going to be kind of racist towards you. Mm-hmm. Or if someone says like, I want to be a drow. And it's like, okay, but like this, it people will point that out. And I think reinforcing that in the campaign, um, because if you have kind of like a standard Forgotten Realms, I mean, I don't know it too well, but if you're walking around with like a uh, a tiefling, a dragonborn, a drow, and a goblin, like <laughs> that's like, people are going to be like, that's a, that's a, that's a gang of, of, yeah, that's a gang of thugs that are just evil villains that we need to almost kill on sight. And so it's, I think it's really interesting to see how the sway um, and how carefully worded 5e is about it, but to, to reinforce that, to be like, if you see a goblin come in and order something at the bar, like there are going to be NPCs that think that's weird and they're going to maybe call it out or maybe say some slurs, um, get out of here, you gobby, you know, like something like that. Like there's going to be repercussions because of the like general moral sway of a race, which is weird. Hmm. I want to talk a little bit about other games and how they handle morality and behavior systems. Um, so I don't know if any of these go back before D&D, at least not the ones that I found. But in the original game, they had reaction roles. And um, what this means is that the first time you meet a character, if because D&D was run more like a sandbox, um, if the DM didn't have something in mind for that character, you'd get a random roll on a table. It's a, I think it was 2d6, so it's a nice bell curve. Oh, um, yeah. And then you add your charisma and you're trying to roll high so that they like you more. But it's also effect- affected by your um, alignment. And so if you are the opposite alignment of that person, they automatically just, you get a penalty to being liked by them. So I thought that was interesting. Um, 
Next is Baldur's Gate, um, and really most of the old PC D&D video games. Um, and actually, Bioware does this a lot too, where if you make a decision, party members will be disgusted by you. And in the old games, they'll just leave. Like, you can't get them back as far as I know. Oh, yeah. Which is um, a good system, I think, for a video game as opposed to a tabletop game. Because um, obviously, your your party at your table, you're not, you're not, you're not just going to leave. <laughs> it's like well watch I, me yeah <laughs> i'm disgusted i'm out of here rips his character sheet in half <laughs> and never see the player again <laughs> yeah yeah um oh this one so i love the fallout games and they use karma oh, which yes, is this idea great. of balance in the universe because like you steal a plate off of a table and somehow the universe knows what you did and then um that score oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> determines how the, how people treat you so that's kind of funny um yeah i like that i like that there is kind of um some negative repercussions for what you do because like I don't know. I remember playing Fallout for the first time and like walking into Megaton and like accidentally stealing a fork off a table, <laughs> and I'd be like, "Oh no, 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 no! I, I, I'm a good guy. <laughs> and, I'm a and, good like, boy." <laughs> it's really interesting to see, um, especially how they're labeled as you get into higher levels, because um, I think it turns into uh, uh, gleaming Messiah. And like true devil. Oh, it's the wasteland <laughs> messiah and then, uh, yeah, yeah. I forget what the bad one's called, but it, you look like literally a guy dressed as Satan. Yeah, really and you funny. just get like uh, it gets like it gets progressively worse, which is <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um. So we've talked about this a little bit, so I'll be brief. But uh, obligation from Edge of the Empire. So instead of saying, "Oh, I'm a good person or a bad person," it's just really like who you owe. Um, and then your own moral system is kind of figured out from there. So they put more of figuring out your character on the player and there's no in-game uh, system that tells you if you're good or bad because everybody is yeah. kind of bad. Yeah, I like, yeah, it's so shady that like, and, and that does, that puts you at opposing, even though you may be like the same chaotic neutral alignment as a smuggler, like who you owe determines who your friends and enemies are more than alignment ever could. <laughs> right. Like I would love to be, uh, I would love to run a game where the players are in a situation where they need to split up their money to go pay off different crime Lords. But then somebody double crosses oh. with the other to give all of it to his crime Lord. Oh my gosh. Um, and then, you know, adventure ensues. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, there's a game, uh, I think we've talked about this too. We, uh, we're, we talk about all these all the time. Uh, but in Blades in the Dark, which is kind of a gang, um, I don't even know, it's a gang type RPG. It's great. Um, they have a whole bunch of factions in that game, all with their own little stats. So uh, it's just like a little bar, like a, a line split into seven segments. You start in the middle and you either slide up or down into either favor or disfavor with them. Um, really simple and easy because they're just penciling on a line. Um, but that is great because everything you do in that game affects a gang because everything oh, in the city good. is owned by somebody. So like, oh, you wrecked this yeah. guy's window. Well, he was under protection from this gang and now they find out and they don't like you and blah, blah, blah. That's yeah. so, okay. Th this reminds me of WoW, like their uh, World of Warcraft's reputation system where like oh, yeah. certain things you do will give you reputation with the elves but will make the dwarves pissed at you and like <laughs> i i really really like that um i found kind of the formula for my basic plot is uh like i'll do like a 12 part like 12 session campaign and i've i've really kind of boiled it down to players start the adventure they go through the adventure meeting npcs and meeting factions 
and then they eventually come back and fight the final boss or go through the final dungeon or face like the climax and like how they treated factions and NPCs along the way is how many of those factions and NPCs show up to help them at the end. Oh man. And it really is like, like people will, will meet like the, this faction and, and one of the characters might just hate them and just ignore them or just like piss them off or whatever. And they might, they won't know this, but like, I'll be like, okay, that faction is not helping you <laughs> for the final encounter. Do the players and, know this? No, they don't. But like, I, I've realized this in my own head of how I build like just a basic plot. And it really is just like, how much help do you want to have at the end of the game? And that's really what their kind of their, their faction reputation, uh, how that's integrated in my games. Like if they're, they're willing mm-hmm. to, to help them at the end. And I think that's kind of from fallout too. like your, um, maybe I think it was new Vegas, like in the final encounter in the game, um, depending on how you treated or how many side right. quests you did, those side quests like super mutants or, um, you know, tribesmen or whatever would come and help you for the final battle. And it really would affect how easy the final battle was, was how many side quests you did. Hmm. Well, now you're going to really have players who are just super polite to all your NPCs yeah. <laughs> and they just want to help everybody. Handing out business cards. And like, <laughs> Don't forget about me at the final battle. <laughs> That's my business card. <laughs> Call me, baby. Uh, <laughs> let's travel into the vault. Welcome to this week's vault. If you have a vault question, you can email us at voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com. This week we have a email from a listener, Benjamin D. He says, Hey guys, I enjoyed the episode on backgrounds, but I disagreed with how dismissive you were of the hermit background. I imagine some of this was done in jest, which is fine. You are correct. But the hermit background has a lot more going for it than you guys let on. Particularly, I disagree that the hermit background comes with little to no hooks attached to it. The hermit's background feature, Discovery, in particular, has the possibility for great adventure hooks. For example, a hermit's discovery could hint at a looming evil working its machinations behind the scenes or a relic that is the key to unlocking some great vault of knowledge long past. A good DM and player could work together to come up with some amazing ideas. Um, Another potential hook for hermit is why they decided to go into seclusion. Are they running away from a sin they committed? Are they upset with their current society? All spiky hooks for you and your party to get hooked on while at the table. And then finally, it's important to also remember that hermits need not be loners. Some exist in very small, secluded communities outside the bounds of society. Thanks, Ben. So what do you think of that? Wow. I am... That is potentially the best feedback I could ever (laughs) ask for. Like, that is... I am intrigued. I am uh, admitting that we did very much ingest, but completely kind of dismiss and hate on the hermit. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, those are fantastic. They're, they're already giving me ideas for for good hermits, and like kind of gives it the redemption that it deserves because those are great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting when you have a, a hermit and they willingly go back into society, and someone who left there there has to be a significant reason for them to come back, and that could I, I love that point of um, some some sort of vast evil that they've discovered and they're just trying yeah. to get people to be like hey like this is a big problem we need to fix this wait aren't you the guy from the yeah. woods <laughs> <laughs> one of my characters i'm realizing in one of my games is uh he went to seclusion and then came back and at first he was kind of apprehensive about it and he almost kind of 
conveyed regret and was like, uh, maybe the hermit was trash. And he also, I think, listened to our backgrounds episode and was like, did I make my character wrong? I mean, without Aww. saying this, he's like, I don't know if I made the best character I could. But looking at his character, like the arc of like why he left seclusion and like what that means for society and all of this stuff like is really really beautiful and just seeing the the immense character development has been awesome to see so yeah these these hermit background ideas are phenomenal like i i kind of want to see almost like um if we could maybe get our community to to have just ideas for each and every background and just oh, have yeah. a list of like potential hooks for each uh, background because these are just I wouldn't have even ever thought of these. They're great. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. great. Um, I think when we were talking in that episode, um, I I don't know if I said this, but we were dismissive because of the Hermes proclivity to um, attract lazy players who just don't want to invest oh, in the background. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it certainly as Ben is proving, like it is ripe with gameplay potential. So mm-hmm. This is a great uh, great piece of feedback. I love you, Ben. Love you, Ben. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana episode 13. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time. You can follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at Vox Arcana Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram are at Vox Arcana Podcast. And you can email us at voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com. Remember that anything you submit becomes the legal property of the Xanathar.